Tom, are you pouring a beer? Yes, I am. It's fucking hot. It's a new, I've not had this. What is it? So this is, uh, do you know Three Tons Brewery? Uh, no, I do not. A, a local brew from Bishop's Castle, just over the border in that Yarra, England. Ah, Bishop's Castle. Bishop's Castle is. <laughs> this is called an Old Scrooge. Oh, very nice. What, what type of beer this is This is a rich, dark and fiery... Uh, hold on. Let's go. It doesn't tell me. It just tells me about the brewery. But it looks just like a dark fucking ale. It's six and a half percent. Ooh, very nice. Oh, it stinks. Well, <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to like this. <laughs> nice, man. Tom, why do you always send me a message assuming I'm just finishing off a wank before these shows? Because every time I'm like, are you ready to start? You're like, yeah, fuck yeah, give me, give me five minutes. <laughs> don't come in, don't come in. <laughs> but actually, when I called you earlier, the first thing you said is, oh, your voice is sexy, so maybe you didn't quite finish. <laughs> I was still... You, were still, you were still there. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, we'll leave that there. Um, what have you been up to this week? Anything interesting? I've been, yeah, I've been playing a lot of Death Stranding. Sorry, I'm licking my fingers here. Delicious. Mm, ASMR. I've left a little, uh, I left a beery ring on the desk. Um, and I've been playing Donkey Kong Country. <sighs> Spoiled it. Oh, no, it's in Which... the title. It's fine. It's fine. It's in the title. Yeah, you know, we, we always do this. People know. <laughs> uh, people know what they're getting. It's fine. So, yeah, this is that 8-bit shit show. And as Tom has rightly said, we are playing, this is probably the most topical we're ever going to be, Tom, on this show. Um, well, we're not because... It, yeah, okay, I know what you're going to say. It comes out on Switch today. Well, it comes... Yeah, but... I, but this this show comes out in three weeks. No, I know, but still, are we ever going to get more topical than this? I don't think we are. I don't think so. Maybe we'll review, like, a brand new Assassin's Creed game on the <laughs> Maybe. Maybe we'll get there and that'll become retro. I don't know. Uh, okay, so Donkey Kong Country. Um, so this is... Uh, a game on the S. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll get there. This is an S. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> it's a great game. Cheers. See you later, guys. <laughs> That's our review. Support us on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Donkey Kong Country. I'm going to give you uh, the back of the box quote to kick us off. Um, so Donkey Kong is back with a new sidekick, Diddy Kong, in a crazy island adventure. Challenged by the crazed tribe of reptilian Kremlings, they endeavour to get back their... <laughs> I love that they're called the Kremlings. <laughs> they endeavour to get back their stolen banana horde. Armed with lightning quick moves, chest pounding muscle and awesome aerial acrobatics, our duo is ready to face their cunning adversaries. With the help of Donkey Kong's quirky family and his wild animal mounts, ooh, they squabble and scamper their way through the unending monkey mayhem. So Donkey and Diddy are on a quest here to take down... K. Rule and his reptilian crew of Kremlings. King, King Cruel, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I love this game. I, I used to play this game a lot as a young boy. Nice. And I uh, was always blown away by the way it looked, by the way it sounds. Uh, I always liked the simplistic nature of what you were trying to do because, you know, when you know, Mario, save the princess, Zelda, save the fucking world, it's a lot of pressure. <laughs> 
get my bananas back. <laughs> I'm down with that. It's a, very, it's a very 90s attitude, isn't it? Like, it's a lot, it's it's quite chilled out. The you know, new Donkey, obviously, we'll get into this a bit, but this is not Donkey Kong from Donkey Kong. No, no, this is. Uh... He's He has grown old and moved into his deck chair on his porch. Um, and you have kind of cool, kickback, chilled out new Donkey Kong, who the, the whole game has always appealed to me because it has this, although it's about animals in a jungle, it really has this kind of almost surf culture feel. And I don't just mean through um, some of the characters, but it's just a really kind of chilled, kickback, cool environment. Yeah, definitely. And we're going to talk about the... you, however, you you fucking skipped over because you were too busy pl- playing whatever else you were playing. I was playing Sonic Three, mainly Sonic, yeah, Sonic and some Alex Kid probably still, Ooh, still ninety four, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, probably. But uh, had to had to get them rock paper scissors games down. Damn straight, but yeah, I um, I did skip over this. I never had. I didn't have a Nintendo. Uh, my friends had them. But strangely, you didn't have one until I showed you the area of your ways, and you sold your PS2 and got a GameCube. <laughs> you did. You forced me to. Well, I say forced, convinced me to sell the best console that I ever had to get N64, which was not the best console I ever had. Not not an N64. Sorry, a, a GameCube. Anyway, the GameCube's fucking fantastic. Right. Let's. They they were good. They were good. That's a whole other show. Donkey Kong Country. This is uh, a reboot of the Donkey Kong franchise set long after the events of Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. Um, and as you said, he's grown old and yeah, he's he's got a new mission just to get his bananas back. And I, I, I also like that. It did give it a good vibe, didn't it? Um, yeah, there's just nothing. It's like, it's not trying to be too too major. He's just like this fucking big monkey. And he's like, you twat, you nick my bananas. I'm coming at you. <laughs> and that's his whole purpose in life. And that's great. Um, and the two Kongs, uh, Donkey and Diddy, they travel through Donkey Island, battling the Kremlings and their henchmen uh, before facing down with the big bad boss himself. Uh, is it K. Rule or King Rule? I'm going King Cruel. King Cruel. Okay, we'll go with that. So, yeah, you face him down on I mean, his it's, it's a King K. Rule, but it obviously is King Cruel. Cool. Yeah, we'll go with that. So, yeah, that's their goal is to take him on, get the bananas back. So how about talking about the background to, to this game and give us a bit of info? Well, this is um, huge, the story behind this. Not particularly how this particular game comes came to be, but who... Well, I guess that is as well, but what, why it happened, okay? Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about Rare. Good yep. Rare um, are the developers of this game, and I want to talk about their history a little bit up to this game because things went on afterwards they developed probably most famously in that sort of era um goldeneye 64 oh, or goldeneye wow which you know they're really famous for that but let's just let's kind of set the scene a bit this is released in 1994 so other games that came out in that time other things that happened in gaming super metroid came out which is revered as one of the greatest games of all time mm-hmm. and absolutely is and we will absolutely cover sometime on this show Mega Man X came out, another banger. Sonic the Hedgehog 3 came out, with or without Michael Jackson's alleged involvement. <laughs> um, Project Reality had been released and was renamed the Ultra Nintendo 64. The design was revealed to the public in the spring. PlayStation released Japan December 3rd. We know PlayStation completely changed the game. 
like huge, wasn't it? That's that's, that's mm. set the precedent for what games consoles are today. Uh, the Sega Thirty Two X came out in November, so this was released amongst in a kind of transitional period. Yeah, yeah. And it actually, you, you know, you know, you look at it and you'd assume this is like the Last of Us Two of the Super NES, like the big <laughs> hitter at the end. But it went on to spawn two additional and uh, Super NES sequels. So it was far from the end of the NES. And what it kind of did is breathe a second life into the Super NES and jump it back in front of the the Genesis and really started to kill off Sega, which they kind of destroyed themselves with the release, the launch of the Saturn yeah. a year later. Absolutely um, incredible, really, isn't it? To think the impact that this had. And the shit that was going on in gaming at that time, it was a really um, transformative year for video games. Yeah, man. That early 90s, 90 to 95 is crazy. So you know a rare ad, I presume. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely, yeah. I've heard, of, uh, heard them many times. I've come across them many times through through my gaming life. Um, okay, so I'm going to give you a, qu- a bit of a quick whistle-stop tour of them up to this point. Cool, that'd be good. But they, they were, it was founded by UK Brothers. So Red's a British company, which is great. Um, Chris and Tim Stampert from Ashby de la Zouche, which is one of my favourite fucking places in the uh, Peak District. One of the, the greatest names. <laughs> yeah, it is. I always used to call it Ashby de la Douche. <laughs> Um, they basically had a company called Ultimate Play the Game. Ultimate Play the Game was developing games for the ZX Spectrum. The Specky was only popular in the UK. So they kind of viewed this as a dead end. They wanted to get into global development. So they actually imported the Famicom, okay. which had a global market. More sophisticated technology, zero load times. And obviously, you know, the Famicom was marketed as like the console for everyone. Yeah, yeah. It was a toy for kids and grown-ups alike. It wasn't like... Computer games <laughs> like, for nerds. Oh, well, it's exactly what like the ZX Spectrum. Come on, it's our fucking nerdiest sounding thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they were like, "Let's get into this." So they formed a subdivision called Rare, and their whole goal was to reverse engineer the Famicom and develop for it. Now, Arakawa, who was head of Nintendo of America, was like. It's impossible to reverse engineer the Famicom. Well, Rare did it. So, I mean, what a stupid thing to say <laughs> if you ever say something like that. Someone's going to be. So, that they created a whole bunch of tech demos and they went out to Kyoto and showed Arakawa. And he was that impressed. He said, I'm going to grant you an unlimited budget for game development. And that's the kind of thing that only Nintendo could do back then. Even Sega didn't really have that clout. Uh, yeah, Rare became a studio then. So Rare went on developing games for NES. That was exactly what they did. They developed Snake Rattler Roll. Battletoads is one of their most famous NES games. Oh, yeah. um, they also worked with other IPs as well. They did Battletoads versus Double Dragon, all sorts of weird stuff like that. But they had a real clear focus on quality, uh, quantity over quality. When the Super NES came out, they were like, what's going to set us apart and elevate us to that next statue in gaming? So they dialed back. They had Nintendo's trust at this point to kind of do what you want. It, it is like that Naughty Dog reference, like or Kojima or someone like that, where it's like, we just trust you with stuff. That's a good place to be. Um, it's, it's an excellent place to be. And they invested uh, a whole load of money in these Silicon Graphics workstations, which were around about 80 grand a piece at the, t- at the time. And they were the most advanced, th- some of the most advanced 3D modeling workstations that were used in movies at the time. And said, how can we 
use this incredible technology and push something out on the Super Nintendo, which can only really render sprites and pixels. And I know I'm talking a lot about this, but there's a lot to get through, and it's this really important shit for what formed games. No, 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 it needs to be said. So what they did is they modelled the character models and certain other elements of the game on this, and then they animated them into looped animations and then rendered them out and then pick and then digitized these into pixelated sprites. So it it wasn't fake 3D. It was 3D that was rasterized and rendered and then converted into 2D, but to give a very 3D appeal. An incredibly clever way of overcoming <laughs> the problem of and really you know, using the power of those silicon machines to then output an image onto onto because we we saw this with FMV sequences in in the PlayStation stuff, but this has made it playable. Yeah, man. Um, and then when you put that with you know SNES's Mode Seven, which we've talked about before, and the multi-layer parallax scrolling and environmental effects, you create an opportunity for real atmosphere. So, at the time. Nintendo was seeking a game to compete graphically with Sega's version of Aladdin, developed by Virgin Games, which we talked about before, looked fucking amazing because it used Disney hand-drawn animators. So the tech demo that uh, the stampers showed to Nintendo was um, so impressive. In essence, it confronted the problem of Sega, but with a different answer, Nintendo's own answer, which actually looked far more technically impressive because people had seen Disney animation. They knew how that worked. That they just purchased a 25% share of the company, which later increased to 49%, making Rare a very, very significant second-party studio. Okay, now what happened here, which is unusual, for second party is Nintendo then offered their catalogue of first-party characters for Rare to work with. Oof. And that, to this day, doesn't happen very often. No, that's... You know, the Nintendo in-house R&D teams usually work with that first-party suite of characters. They're normally really protective, aren't they, over everything? All of their exactly, IPs. Yes. So that is huge. And then they said there was... Now, the the stories here mix as to whether Rare asked for Donkey Kong or whether Nintendo said, we want to reboot Donkey Kong because it's been dormant for 10 years. It was the game that spawned Mario. It's it's one of our characters that hasn't lived for a long time. So they went into that and they, they developed Donkey Kong. It was a team of 20 over 18 months and it went on to sell 9 million copies, making it the third best-selling Super NES game. Now, it was the first Donkey Kong game that Miyamoto did not work on, but he was advised, he did advise at points. Uh, Rare then went on, obviously, to develop Killer Instinct, Blast Core, Goldeneye, Banjo Kazooie, Perfect Dark, which were other games where they really took what Nintendo did and just ramped that up. Um, and yeah, today they're owned by Microsoft and they're kind of panned a little bit for not being the company they once were. And that's how we got where we are in a development point of view. That's a pretty interesting history for a company, isn't it? And how they sort of took things by the horns and, uh, you know, basically forced their way in. And uh, yeah, absolutely crazy. And then made one of the... a real initiative, doesn't it? Yeah. They went out out and got, you know, they're a British-based company. They were still relatively small and they just saw their goal and were like, we're going to fucking get here. And they made it happen. They took a lot of risks. Yeah, too right. And... uh, paid dividends at the time um absolutely amazing so in terms of um then rare's design and what they they had in mind for donkey kong um what sort of what was their goal and what did they what do they look to achieve through their design on this 
Um, okay, so in terms of design elements, it was like a kind of a key few drivers here. They wanted to simplify the original uh, character designs from Miyamoto, but they, there was really, to me, a clear piece of let's make this 90s cool. The original Donkey Kong sketch, he was a bit of a goofy character. Mm. And the new Donkey Kong, he's kind of hunched forward. He's got this kind of glint in his eye. It's a lot of mischievousness going on. Yeah, to me, there was a bit of Sonic in there. In the way it looked and played? like In in the way the characters are. They, they've oh, got okay. this real coolness to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bit like children laid back, like you said. Yeah, exactly. And they also, and yeah, and a little bit devious maybe and a <laughs> yeah. little bit cheeky. But also there was a thing where, you know, other games, they had, Mario had his power-ups, Zelda had his tools and stuff. Don- Donkey Kong, everything was a character. Every power-up or bonus you got was a character. So you, you pick up the animals you ride on, their characters. You have your, your second life is essentially another character that follows mm. you. So it creates a really breathing, living and breathing world. Um, one of the interesting facts here actually, though, is when they were observing the gorillas at Twicross Zoo... Okay. I've never known how you say that. Two cross, tie cross. No, no idea. Um, they they did notice that on the rare occasions that gorillas move, their moves are completely unsuitable. So they based it on a horse's gallop. That's really yeah, really interesting that they've done that. You, you can't tell. They still look, and you wouldn't think that that's how the design had been had been formed. No, but he's got this kind of movement going yeah. on. It's, it's I see it. Um, original design actually, they were going to use Wario as the antagonist mm. uh, to mirror the original Donkey Kong. Okay. But uh, Nintendo were like, no, we want to expand the Donkey Kong world to then use in, in future games. So that's where they came up with the Kremlins, which were actually originally conceived for a point-and-click adventure game called Johnny Blastoff and the Kremlin Armada. <laughs> right. And they were going, they were actually going to have guns in this game, but I'm kind of glad they did Yeah, didn't. yeah. Um, in terms of feel of the game, the stampers said, you know, we want it to be like Mario 3, where and it's easy to pick up, but a skill player could appear to move effortlessly through the level. Mm. And apparently the game was actually much harder originally, but Nintendo said reduce the difficulty to make it appeal to a broader audience because you've included so many secrets, which I'm sure we'll touch on later. Yes, we will. That collectibles and replayability, we can add challenge to those areas so the hardcore guys can get the challenge by going back and accessing those hidden areas that, that you know, are harder to get to. Okay. So... Yeah, that's kind of it. There's a lot. There's um, some notes I've made here about the music inspired by 1940s swing, lots of percussion and different beats. Really, really cool music in it. Um, that That's kind of about it from where they were going. It, they, they did say they really wanted to, this to feel like um, a, a world with a story. So you can really see that direction from Nintendo to expand on the lore of Donkey Kong, which is why I think... They went with Cranky Kong as the previous Donkey Kong. He's grown old. Time has moved on. Yeah. It didn't just give it a place, but it gave it a setting in time as well. Yeah. And I think you can really get... Everything plays into that feel of this being, as you say, alive. You've got the music, which really draws into that feel of... Uh, it gives you the, the flow on each level, um, the aesthetic of it. You really get the picture of you know where you are and what you're doing at all times. It's it's very, very well designed in Every aspect. Yeah, the fact you've got weather that comes in mm. and, and all sorts of stuff like that. Absolutely. So a lot of, uh, I mean, there's so much interesting history to this game um, and to the studio that made it. And let's look at the game itself. I'm just going to talk about my... I mean, this just, just on that, this was really the launching off platform for Rare. Right, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, this this kicked them into doing their absolute the golden days of rare that rareware are remembered for. Mm. This was the one that they worked. They worked so hard to get to this, but this was the one that set them off. And it's like right, and that doesn't mean that they didn't do a lot of great stuff on the NES. They were already very very successful, but this was the launch platform for the rare that people remember and the people love. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's an absolute absolutely phenomenal game. Um, so talk to you about the beer I'm drinking, Tom. It's fucking horrible. Um, I it's one of those ones I had. I oh, by the way, I cancelled my beer. Oh. I cancelled my beer fifty two order. <laughs> the plot thickens. <laughs> yeah. How did it go? I, well, very simple actually. I, got, I was on the phone to um. What the fuck? I know it didn't go like yours did at all. Is it some Scottish girl? Who can I help? And I was like, oh, I just want to cancel my order. She's like. Oh, any, any reason for I that? A, I ate a baby. <laughs> I ate a baby. <laughs> but yeah, she didn't put up any fight at all. So I was quite disappointed, actually. I didn't get to argue with them. That is a little disappointing, yeah. I've got to be honest. After this you know, four-month ordeal that I've been putting off cancelling. Anyway, that. So why have you decided to cancel? Is it because it's a horrendous rip-off and you can buy most of them in Tesco? or? That is part. Well, that's no, that's fully the reason. Yeah, yeah. So don't use beer fifty two is my recommendation. Uh, well, that free case is bullshit. There's no free case. No, there is not. So yeah, you you know you pay with a little bit of your soul <laughs> and time because it took me half an hour to get through. Mm-hmm. Okay, Donkey Kong. Back to it. Um, the gameplay on this. So this is a typical platformer um, in its fundamental form. Um, how dare you? <laughs> well, I would say the core gameplay isn't too dissimilar from sort of other games in this genre. Well, you move from left to right and jump exactly on baddies. Yeah, so the, the, at its core, the platforming isn't anything revolutionary. However, uh, we touched on it already. One of the brilliant features in this game is the inclusion of two simultaneous playable main characters, Donkey and Diddy Kong. Sonic, of course, had Tails in his games, but you couldn't play as both during the same run through unless you had a friend with you. So this, I like that you picked up on the fact that you can switch out on the fly because everyone has a favorite. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, I was Diddy all the way. Um, yeah. See, I normally play as donkey, even though he's worse. Why is that? Just Diddy's easy. mode. <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. True. Donk, donk, like Diddy's faster. He cartwheels, which goes faster and further. He can, by which case he can jump further. Yeah, yeah. No, he's. I, I prefer playing as him, so I stuck with him for most of it until I needed Donkey's assistance. Um, and that's the thing, isn't it? Because then when you lose the other character, you're on a bit of a, the, the one that you prefer. You're on like a bit of a quest to rescue him. <laughs> yeah, it's really cool, isn't it? It gives you that extra incentive when you're playing to like, shit, I need to get him back. Um, and how these two worked on screen together um, was really, really inventive. So when one of them takes a hit, he runs off the screen and you take control, as you say, of the remaining character. Um, you've got various opportunities to win them back by finding the barrels marked with the DK logo. So, Yeah, and I like that you hear them off screen before you get to them because then, you know, if you're really up against it, struggling a bit, you'll hear like them shaking the barrel. And you're like, oh, like, yeah. A, few, a bit before you get to it, and you're like, oh, fuck, yes, I've got to get to it, I've got to get to it. <laughs> so, yeah. It just... And it, do, it does, like, they, they call out to you, and you're like, oh, I've fucking got to rescue them. And it's, re- it's, it's very well done. How, hell, yeah. It's, it's great. Um as we touched upon, they have different strengths and abilities. Donkey can slap the ground and unveil secrets as well as defeat larger enemies, while Diddy also is obviously the more agile. Um, I think it's just very, very cool to have them both on screen at once. Um, so in terms of gameplay, 
Donkey Kong. There's no, there's no. You can't pick up a second controller though and control the other. That one. That would have been cool, but also would have taken away a little from obviously the mechanics that are already there. So they'd have had to have worked around mm-hmm. that. Yeah, because there's a lot of sections where you're shooting from barrel to barrel and whatever that that wouldn't work. Yeah, so they'd have had to have possibly redesigned a lot of the the game. So maybe. And also, I think like when you play Sonic and Tails, Tails was always like the dude you made your little brother be. <laughs> Whereas, like, so, so he yeah. instantly was like the shitter character. But with Donkey and Diddy, I feel there's like a fairly decent split of people that like both. Like, there's no disrespect for one of the characters over the other because you will spend a large amount of time as both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. They're both equally uh, enjoyable to play as. So, um, there's lots of. They should have called it Dinky Kong and just had done with it. <laughs> there's lots of mechanics in this game to supplement the the base platform that I talked about. Um, so you've got moving platforms, as you said, barrels that you jump in, which fire you around the level, some of which you have to control yourself to make that extra challenge. Uh, there's oil barrels that set on fire. There's ropes you can swing on and you can use other items in the levels to such as like tires to gain access to different areas. There's lots going on and it is really, really in, uh, inventive and intuitive. Um, you can also gain yourself some extra lives by finding the letters which are dotted throughout the level, which spell Kong. And uh, they do become increasingly difficult to get the more you you go into the game as well. So there's the extra challenge level you talked about for those more hardcore players to, to get those secrets and unlocks. Um, I think overall, we can say that the game's core is classic platforming, but it's done to such a high standard. The gameplay is so fluid and stylish that it just makes it an absolute joy to play. Um, and I'll move on. In terms of combat, the basic attack you've got... Um, involves jumping on the enemy's head, similar to Mario. Um, but you can also roll into them as Donkey, or as you said earlier, cartwheel into them as Diddy. And all, they can also throw barrels at enemies to, to defeat them as well. I love that. What, the barrel throwing? Yeah. It's cool, isn't it? And I love that the metal ones will roll along the floor and take multiple enemies out. There's just like... There's just a lot of choices, isn't there? It's very well thought and out. It's, like they, yeah, it's, it's, it really is. And the, the levels are designed around... Like, if you have a level that has a lot of barrels in it, it'll be designed that way for a reason. Mm. If you have a level where you pick up a certain animal helper, the level will be designed to to flow better with that Yeah, uh, that helping hand you've got. Absolutely. And talking about the, the buddies that you find throughout the levels, they're sort of hidden in boxes. Um, and they do make your life a lot easier. So you've got Espresso the Ostrich, Rambi the Rhinoceros, Squawks the Parrot. I like Rambi. It's like a cross between Rambo and Bambi. <laughs> Which I guess, yeah, works. On guard, the swordfish, that's a wicked name. And one of my favourites, Winky the Frog. <laughs> yes. What's your favourite? My favourite on these is On Guard the Swordfish. Yeah, he's he's the most He has the biggest, yeah, and because you can't, when you're in the underwater levels, which are definitely not as egregious as most underwater levels in games, mm. you don't really have an attack. There's no barrels to pick up. Well, you, know, you don't have an attack you don't if you're all. not with, no. with On Guard. But then he allows you to groinally thrust people away. A bit like Michael Jackson in Moonwalker. No sprinkles. No sprinkles from on guard. <laughs> uh, Imagine if he just fully did it. <laughs> oh my God, he's sprinkling. <laughs> Let's talk about enemies. There's a huge array of enemies um, throughout the the entirety of this game um, that we'll touch on shortly. But the variety, I think, is really impressive here, Tom. 
Um, and each each of the enemy types have proper names. Um, one I found interesting, you know, they're like snappy croc things that like my favorite enemy in the game because they're so funny. <laughs> yeah, the ones that just like seem to just like glide along the floor. Snapping. Yeah, they've got tiny bodies but a massive head. Uh, yeah, they're called claptraps with a K. Now I did wonder if this was some sort of inspiration behind Borderlands and the character claptrap. Maybe I don't know. We'll have to look into that. But that that seemed like a a really cool little thing if it was. Um, there are some enemies as well throughout each uh, or throughout some of the levels that can't actually be defeated, so you have to avoid them. So you've got the the big wasp like creatures, and they are absolute bastards. I want nothing to do with them. <laughs> when I hear them with their because they always move in this arc and you've normally got to time a jump over them and then hit a fucking bouncy tire into a barrel and they're just there and they just don't want to, shouldn't be there and you can't kill them and they're like real life wasps like mm, assholes yeah that's a very good impression as well you know well done um <laughs> yes, you know, i've been working on it for years <laughs> i can tell <laughs> there's um there's also rats in wheels that sort of uh, run you down and they're kill you naughties. are they the rats are all called naughties, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, there's naughties. Oh, those wheel ones. levels, which we'll go on to, they're cunts, aren't oh, they? Oh, they are bastards. I did not enjoy those. So uh, all of those add that extra level of challenge to the game anyway. So um, I think there's a very good amount of variety across uh, the enemies that you encounter. Um, so in terms of the levels then, uh, first of all, let's talk about the map, Tom. I think so. Yeah, so the map's kind of cool because the the map has sub maps, doesn't mm, it? Yeah. So you've got the overall map of Donkey Kong Island where Donkey Kong is just like, bro, this is my island. Don't come here taking my bananas. <laughs> and then you can see on the island that there is a, you know, a jungle, a beach, big rocks. And you can kind of get the impression that you're going to climb up over this thing and end up on the big pirate ship that the Kremlings have attached one. But then as you move along the five sort of worlds on the island, you go in and there's like a little sub world where you'll see a more detailed path through that section of the game. And again, it adds like loads of um, world building to it. Well, it mimics the aesthetic of each level, doesn't it? So it's really cool. Yes. Really, really clever that they've done that. Um, so you really feel like you are in that area. Um, and there's no, so, you know, with like Sonic where you come out of each level and it just goes to black screen and on the next level. With this, it really makes you, it puts you in the world. Um, yeah, it's more like Mario 3 in that kind of way, mm. but I think it does an even better job of it because it's it's just a better looking map. There's a hell of a lot more going on. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really, really cleverly designed. So within this map, you've got six worlds. So you have the Congo Jungle, the Monkey Mines, Vine Valley, Gorilla Glacier, Creme Croc Industries, Inc., and Chimp Caverns. And then you have the final level, which is Gangplank Galleon. So a total of six worlds. And I've got to be honest, I've got to be honest, Ab, the first two are the highlights for me. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. And the right level of challenge before it gets too difficult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it's a fucking long game. It's like 40 levels. It's a very big game. It's 40 levels. And I think, I'm not convinced that this is necessarily a good thing. Um, no, I'm not. It's too long. There's There's plenty of variety in the world designs themselves, but I think that there's not enough variety in the levels in each of those worlds that... No, there's only a few types, isn't there? And you've got your... So what have you got? You've got your jungle and treetop levels, which are amazing. Yeah. There's actually only a couple of them. Mm -hmm. You've got the mine levels. There's fucking loads of them. Yeah, too many. Way too many levels in mines and caverns. I don't, I'm not talking about the mine cart levels. They're ace. There's only a couple of them. Uh, yeah, you've got 
their temple levels. There's a few of them, but there's the I would have thought half the content would be yeah more than other. I mean, bear in mind if you play through this game, if you watch someone playing through this game on like a YouTube playthrough who's really competent with it, it's still taking nearly two hours. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas most games of this age, good games, good big games, someone will play through confidently in an hour. Mm-hmm. But you know, you could look at that and go, I'm not getting much value an hour's play. It's not like a new game where it's an hour for everyone. These games took you dozens of hours to master oh, yeah. before you could beat them. Yeah, if you ever did beat them. <laughs> I, I never beat this. No? I, I said it when we played through it uh, on the Unplugged episode. I was like, oh, I can't wait to play through this again. And then I even said that. I was like, if I ever actually did. And then I realized that the furthest I ever got was the Glacier levels. Right, okay. About, half, about halfway through. And after that, it does just become like, just too much well i think some of the um the difficulty variances throughout some of those later levels are a little bit too too much i think there's a few things where there's like jumps that you have to make or enemies you have to avoid which become a real sort of pig and you can't you you're just constantly dying and i can imagine you know people getting very frustrated at that i did um yeah i mean if they had taken two or three levels out of each world And then made the difficulty curve from like level world one to four be like the overall difficulty curve. Yep. And then maybe with some super difficult hidden bits. Like I'm glad Nintendo ramped the difficulty down in the first place because imagine if they had. Oh, yeah, yeah, it would have been way too much. And the bosses themselves, I think, are pretty straightforward on each level. Um, I think they suck. Yeah, they they involve you basically just timing your jumps onto their heads and avoiding straightforward attacks. And and there's only really a couple of bosses, then you just get you know, color, sh- color palette swaps. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But once you do uh, beat a boss, you get a big, massive Nintendo Nana. So, you know. Yeah, that's weird that it's got the Nintendo branding on it, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, I don't know why they did that, but hey, it's all good. Um, So I think, yeah, in terms of levels, cut them down a little in terms of the amount of, of content in there. Um, But overall, I can't fault the design on each one. I think they're all f- phenomenally designed. No, and that's why I love that um, Congo Jungle level world because it, because it's doing the tutorial bit, you get a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah, and it's just it's like you get the the animals, you get the treetop levels, and then obviously the minecart level, which is actually in the second world, the monkey mines. Mm. But that's such an iconic classic level, and that level of challenge on that one, where it takes you maybe four or five attempts to get through. And then you're going to get through it because don't forget, it's every time you run out of lives, you're starting from way back. So it's not four or five attempts to get through, and then you can forget about it and move on. Like it's four or five attempts to get through, but when you run out of lives, you're going to have to do it all again. <laughs> so that kind of was the really nice balance where it was thrillingly challenging without becoming just yeah frustrating. And it helped that this was such a, a joy to actually play um, as well. Oh, it's fantastic! Isn't it? So like to go back and play those levels didn't feel like a chore at all. Um, particularly as you say those earlier levels and like <laughs> the satisfaction when you finally find like your buddy on the level and you're like right fuck you I'm going to destroy you all now it's it's great yeah especially when you pick up uh, Rambi yeah, yeah. because he basically makes you invincible hell yes um, so I think yeah so, some great variation across all of the levels um, just that difficulty curve could have been sort of ramped down slightly can we talk about the ice world the gorilla glacier okay because there's seven levels here, and this does one of the things that I always bitch about is it artificially increases difficulty by fucking up a game, an established gameplay mechanic. Yep. 
and it's the classic or the floor slippy. This is your bugbear, isn't it, Tom? Across these uh, these games. Okay, so Underwater World didn't piss me off too much in this. No, it was okay. There wasn't uh, too many occasions. Well, they, they play very differently to the other levels because they're more like a maze. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, in, in most levels, you're going from left to right. In the Underwater Worlds, you're left, right, up there, and you are navigating a... a now, they're never really a maze because I never got lost. No, but... But they're a multi-directional place and you're avoiding some enemies. Mm-hmm. With this one, it's that cheap tactic that games use where it's like... No, it's not very egregious in this game because it happens... A, once games where you have like every world has like some gameplay altering handicap for the control of the game because that's what you get good at controlling the game don't yeah you? yeah and that's how you master it and then when they take something away it's just it feels like it's you're fucking up and it's not on your it's not your fault mm, yeah i did find that a few times it, on here this this is a and that's probably why this is as far as i got as a kid but one thing I do want to shout out is we talked about the lack of writing levels. There's one level design here, which is the Crystal Cave, um, where the whole background and the whole world is you're inside this cave full of crystals, and there's only one level in this style on the whole game, and it's absolutely like amazing. It looks stunning, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I put a screen of that in our in our dock, and it looks absolutely beautiful. Um, and it does, it, it gives you a new, a completely new setting to play in as well. So it's exciting because you're like, oh, wow, where the hell am I now? So, And it does straight up remind me of the Crystal Cave from Dark Souls. <laughs> okay, nice. Like, and which is called the Crystal, well, that's why I called it the Crystal Cave. I don't know what this is, like, but like, there's a level in Dark Souls that literally is like this. Yeah, okay. Well, I've, done, I've not played Dark Souls, so yeah. That's one we'll do one day. I'd love to do that, yeah. I've played the second one. I mean... But... Okay, we'll we'll talk about that another time, but let's let's plan that in because that'll take. We'll have to do that in the background over several yeah, weeks. It's a big game because man, what a game! <laughs> uh, I'm just going to touch upon the Kremkrok Industries Inc. level um, because there's a level. And what did I say last week? Every game in the '90s had to have a factory. Yeah, this is the penultimate level. This doesn't this doesn't end on it, but it's it's close. No, it's it's the penultimate level, and um, they it, yeah, it's set in like a factory. Kremkrok Industries is fire oil barrels on fire. It's very industrial looking through the most part. Um, there's a, I'm pretty sure it's in this one. It might be in the level up, in the stage after, but you've got... Um, How did you know they're oil barrels? Uh, conveniently, it has oil in massive writing across each barrel. That's <laughs> <laughs> all oil barrels yeah. do. That's what you call environmental storytelling. <laughs> oil. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure there's a level on here where the lights all go out and they flicker on and off. I'm pretty sure it's here. You get a couple of them, don't mm. you? Just, and I like the stop-go station, actually, in the mines, where when the lights are off, the enemies come to light, or, or something like that. And there's like there's some of these levels where you've got to hit the next mechanical switch at a certain That's time right. or else you get fucked. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's, it's really good. Um, so there's some really clever mechanics, even this far into the game. Um, and... It does keep introducing new mechanics as well, to be fair. It does. Small new mechanics, like the moving platform where you have to collect the gas tanks for it. And, and stuff you have to learn and, re- and sort of rethink how you're playing. So that's quite clever, really. But again, too too many levels to really feel the benefit from it. Um, final stage, Gangplank Galleon. This is where you take on the big, ba- big bad boss himself. So you go one-on-one with... Can I just say, by the way, and anyone who says different can just fucking suck my Go dick. On. King Cruel is the best fighter in Smash Bros. I wouldn't know, so I'll take your word for no. that. 
Well, I'm, I'm a very inexperienced Smash player, but King Crawl is my boy. Nice. Okay. Well, I, I wonder if you're going to get any pushback on that. We'll see. Write to us. Uh, Discord. Come and chat to us. So tell Tommy's wrong. Um, yeah, so... Well, I wouldn't. <laughs> you can if you want. I'm not. <laughs> okay, so you take him on uh, on his ship. So he runs from side to side. He makes cannibals fall from the sky. Generally causes havoc. Bit of a toughie to start with, but easily beatable when you learn his moves. So... When you do beat him? Yeah, none of the bosses are that hard in this game. One cool thing on this, so you think you've beaten him. Credits roll, it says the end, question mark. And he comes back yep. to life. I was like, oh, that's cool. That's that's quite a nice little uh, thing they've added in there. But again, he's not... To- yeah, well, if you read the credits when they roll, they're all the Kremlings in the credits. So it's saying, oh, the Kremlings made the game. <laughs> it's like a fake credits. It's, it's cool, isn't it? Um, and the game, once you do it then finally beat him for the final time the game ends and you go off and find your massive nana horde so i like him cool he's just a big fat crocodile who wears a cape and a crown he's like my spirit animal <laughs> if you could pick your your sort of ideal outfit for the rest of your life that would be it mate i i, I have a i was at work the other day Do you have a crown and, and a cape got on? a medal on the no but there's a medal hanging on the wall from a competition we won and you know i was Feeling a bit glum, so I was just like, fuck it, I'm wearing this medal. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Made me feel Did you better. feel like a winner? <laughs> yeah. How is that? There you go. I've got a medal. What have you got? Nothing. You ain't got a medal, Fucking have you? <laughs> you ain't got a medal. i got a medal. Where's your medal? Oh, fuck me. Nice. And this is why... We- the medal was for the scariest duck. This- <laughs> but that's another story. <laughs> is like, it your medal? Sure it says I- yeah, no, I did win it for my company. <laughs> okay. It's another, it's another story. Yeah, it is. We'll tell that another time. This is why we're friends, Tom. You've got great stories like this. <laughs> How was Donkey Kong Country received? Unsurprisingly, right well. Right well. Oof. Go on. Um, so it was unveiled at Consumer Electronics Show, Chicago, 1994. So this is one year before the first E3. Ooh. The first and last E3 for Sega, really. Um the gameplay showcase didn't reveal it was a SNES game until the very end. So this is what, you know, they played on... Because the N64 had been revealed, but there wasn't many games shown, they showed this and everyone was like, oh, it's an N64 game. Well, it fucking looks cool. And then, boom, no, you can all play it on your Super NES. Oh. And that's like <laughs> such, a, such a sweet move because just imagine the hype now if something... It's not the same now. Generational jumps are nowhere near as nah. much, but... Just imagine that something like amazing being shown after the like now. So now the PS5 has been revealed. If something had been shown that just looked like it was impossible to run on the PS4, and then they're like, "Oh, it's coming to both." People would probably whinge and moan actually now because to be fair, no one, no one fucking appreciates it. It goes the other way these days. The same game comes out on four consoles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, no, that that's a that's a cool move, and uh, this could quite easily have been an N64 game the way it looks. Yeah, and Arakawa famously said, oh, this looks great. Are all uh, of the new generation games going to look like this? <laughs> this is when they showed the tech demos off, and they were like, nope. <laughs> um, so on aggregate site game rankings, it sits at an 89%, decent, which is very high. Critics praise the uh, visuals and replayability, and levied praise on background design, details, character models. But Adam... yeah. Retrospective reviews have not been so kind, saying that the feel of the gameplay held it back from greatness. Okay. 
What do you think about that? Well, I'm going to be going on to my conclusions on the game very shortly, and I can okay, we'll, have some sympathy on we'll that. We'll cover that then. Let me let me just co- put this last note I made that's quite funny Go here. On. Time magazine included the game in its list of top 10 best products of 1994. <laughs> and in 2005, they included it in the list of most overrated games of all time. <laughs> okay. Nice contradiction there. Yeah, good job, Time. Well done, guys. So, yeah, my thoughts on this. I think... Now, that comment's really interesting that retrospective reviews haven't been as kind. Now, I do think that this game does fall, for me, slightly short of being a masterpiece. But... Oh, absolutely. It's it's not... Well, it's definitely not a perfect game. It's definitely not a masterpiece. But I will say uh, that it it is a fantastic game, and it's one of the best of its time. There's no doubt about that whatsoever. Um, it's a lot of fun to play. It's got that really charming look that we talked about already and that music to back that up. Um, I think there's a good level of humour throughout the game as well um, in the characters that you meet and see on screen and the way you know you interact with them. It's, it's great. I do think it's too long and the difficulty that we talked about, the difficulty spikes at certain points within the levels that can feel unfair. So I did feel some frustration sometimes playing this. But I think overall, the game, it's really fluid. It's stylish. It controls really well. And I think all of that fits in line with its really beautiful design and aesthetics. So I I was really, really, you know, I had a lot of fun playing through this. So what are your thoughts? So I think it's a bit ropey around the edge and that actually adds to the charm rather than being a detriment to it in this one. It's, It's kind of, it makes you feel like you're, you're kind of mates with them, if you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean. Like you feel a bit like you're there with it, and like for all its flaws and charm. Okay. So it doesn't really suffer from being a bit rugged around the edges, but it definitely you can see that it was a fucking short development time. And I think if they'd pulled a little bit of that time out of quantity of levels and put it into polishing what they had and just refining that gameplay loop a little bit. And, you know, some of those mechanics, like I mentioned, the millstones are frustrating. They're frustrating because you have to do it five or six times. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think the, the, as you say, the, the length of this game is detrimental to its overall quality. Um, so, like my cock. <laughs> oh, God. Take that as you will. I'm sure people will. <laughs> right. On the 8-bit shit scale, Tom, where are you going to place uh, Donkey Kong? See, I gave it a, ga- I gave it a guaranteed bang in the other day, but I'm going for proper tidy. Yeah. Because I just think I didn't play it all when I was a kid. Yeah. Like, the bits I remember, which are the first three levels, are absolutely almost fucking perfection. Like, I'm like, this is amazing. It's brilliant. I love it. Love it. Love it. By the time I got to the end, I was like, ooh. Mm. Okay, so I guess it could be a banging game if you just fucking pretend the second half doesn't exist. A bit like Mega Man. Yeah, exactly like... No, not exactly like that, but... It's... No, I get what you mean. I think I think there are... Yeah, it's... There are elements of it's, this it's, which make it... It's really, really very, very good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a fair fair rating for, for what is a, a really fun game to play overall. So, as uh, as always, we do play these games so that you don't have to. Um, but I think, but you should. I think our advice would be pick this up because, particularly now that it's on Switch, you can give it a go with absolutely no effort. Um, and I don't think you'll regret playing through this one. 
No, not at all. It's really, 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 really cool. And it spawned a couple of great sequels as well. Damn straight. So thanks very much uh, for joining me again on this uh, week's episode, Tom. Uh, guys, come and chat with us uh, on Discord. Check us out over at Happy Hour Gaming net and check out all of our other shows and podcasts written work and uh, if you want to chat to us on twitter as well at happy gaming hour get involved we are always open to suggestions those of you that join up to our patreon happy hour gaming uh patreon then bring us your shekels <laughs> yes bring us those uh and you you can get involved you can suggest things for us to play so yeah Buy us a beer or buy us a round. Well, you no, know, you have to pay. You have to pay. Like you just, you can suggest shit for us to play, but you've got to, you've got to, you know, give me, give it, show, show us your, the color of your money if you want us to play your games. <laughs> what are so you saying? You can suggest. No, joking it. aside, we we do we do have a couple of um Patreon tiers for a buck. You can get all our stuff early. Hell yes! And you can message us directly and tell us what you think of us. For three bucks, the price of a solitary pint, you get a whole extra show every week. You lucky, lucky people. Okay, this has been That 8-Bit Shit Show. We will see you again next time.